Welcome. On the day when David fought Goliath, he said these words to the giant. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 47 And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Today we're looking at Psalm 144. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England, and each week I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the book of Psalms. We look at each psalm, verse by verse and word by word, seeking to understand the meaning. So Psalm 144 has the heading, A Psalm of David. And in the Hebrew, it's even simpler, it just says, Of David. This is a psalm that David wrote. He wrote it in a rather unusual manner. As we go through the psalm, you may spot references to phrases which we've had in other psalms. This psalm is a bit like a patchwork quilt. Here in England there was a tradition that ladies wouldn't waste bits of good cloth on a, a, piece, a garment, a piece of clothing that had worn out. So they would take the little bits which were good and they would sew them together and they would make what they called a patchwork quilt, a sort of blanket with which they'd cover their bed, made out of all these different pieces of fabric of different colours that came from lots of different garments. Well, Psalm 144 is in this tradition. It's taken lots of phrases and lots of ideas from other psalms, and it's put these together with some new stuff as well, and together the whole makes up a different psalm. You can see another example of that in the second chapter of the book of Jonah, which is also written in the form of a psalm and with phrases which come from lots of different psalms. First one, then, of Psalm 144 begins with words that are very reminiscent of Psalm 18. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. How did David fight battles? How did he fight against Goliath the giant? How did he fight against the enemies that were in the countries all around him who opposed him? He didn't depend on his own strength. He depended upon the Lord. The Lord my strength. The Hebrew is the Lord my rock. Like like a strong rock, like like the rock of Gibraltar or a mountain that's made out of rock, firm and solid. David says, I can rely on the Lord. I can rely on the Lord to help me and to protect me on the day of battle. It's him which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Yes, I might be fighting with my own hands. It might be my own fingers that have to hold on 
to my spear or my sword. But it's God who teaches me how to fight this battle. It's God who's shown me how I'm to, to oppose these enemies. It's God who I depend on totally. Listen to how he describes God in verse 2. Notice the word my here. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer. Oh, it's God who I look to for goodness and he's my fortress too. He is a place of defence for me. In ancient times, people used to build a high building as a sort of castle, a place of defence. So God, so David declares that God is his high tower and his deliverer, his salvation, the one who rescues him, my shield, the one who protects his body. Soldiers would take a board, typically at the time of David, it was a leather board with a wooden framework and they would hold this up to protect them against the enemy's arrows. Well, David isn't depending on a shield like that. He says, God is my shield. It's God who protects me. And then he explains himself and he in whom I trust. I'm trusting God. In the day of battle, I can't depend on myself. I'm far too weak with the enemy's arrows and sword against me and all the attacks of so many people. I'm weak. But it's God in whom I trust. I put my trust in him. I depend on him. And God protects me in the day of battle. And, David says, he gives me authority. The authority to rule. It is God who subdueth my people unto me. My people, the people of Israel. Subdueth means... Uh, that he overcomes them. He, get, David gains power over them. Why? Because God has given him that power. David could have led an army against the previous king, King Saul, to try to overthrow him. He could have fought against Saul and tried to kill Saul. Saul was already trying to kill David. But David didn't do that. And even when Saul was acting in such a cruel way against David, David still wouldn't fight against him. David wouldn't attack Saul because he trusted God to establish his, David's authority over Israel. And so when David did gain power, he declared, It's God who subdueth my people under me. It's God who's given me the power to rule over this vast nation. Then in verse 3, there's a change of approach. And with words that remind us very much of Psalm 8, David says, Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? God, how weak people are, and yet you know them. How weak the son of man is, an ordinary man, that means in the Hebrew expression. Just an ordinary man. And thou makest account of him. You know him. So insignificant people are compared to you, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. 
Their lives are short. Their strength is so weak when we compare them to God's great power. Verse 4. Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. In other words, the life of a man or a woman or a person is like vanity. Something that's empty, something that's worthless. Oh, a man might look great and impressive as Goliath did, yet his days are as a shadow that passeth away. Just like a shadow has no substance and no reality to it, it's just the shade of a man's body, then a man's body is little more than that. Or does he mean that his days are as a shadow that passeth away? Because the shadow disappears in the evening. It's gone. As soon as the sun sets, you can no longer see the shadow. And it's passed away. So short is the life of a person. So David prays, and he prays against his enemies. Verse 5. Bow the heavens, O Lord, and come down. Bow them, bend them, open them up. God, you are in heaven above, but come down. Visit us. Come to us in your power to defend your faithful people and to free them from their bitter enemies. How powerful you are. You merely touch the mountains and they shall smoke. As if something as solid as a mountain disappears into something that is as weak as smoke. Verse 6. Cast forth lightning and scatter them. L like when lightning shoots down from the sky and an impressive and strong tree is suddenly destroyed. David prays, act against my cruel and wicked enemies. Act against them, scatter them, send them so that they must run in every direction. In fact, shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. Arrows were a fierce weapon on the ancient battlefield. When someone, when someone fired an arrow at you, they could attack you, they could kill you from a great distance. David prays to God against these enemies. He says, shoot out thine arrows. God, you act. You act even from a distance. You don't need to come down to fight them. You can, you can act from heaven above and you will destroy their power. You will end their power. So I pray that you will reach out. You will reach out with your hands from heaven above to free me from the attacks of these, these foreign armies which are fighting against me. Verse 7. Send thy hand from above. above. Rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children. Okay, out of great waters. David is describing the attack of the enemy as being like a flood which comes in against him and threatens to drown him. And so he's praying to God, just as he would pray in the water, deliver me out of great waters, just as he would pray if he were drowning in a flood, 
So he prays this in the heat of the battle. He says, deliver me, God, out of the great waters. But what is the great waters? Well, it's the hand of strange children. Okay, this is a change of language from the days of the King James Version. It's not talking about strange children, as in young people who who act or look in a peculiar manner, as we might mean today. Strange is the same word as we use today, stranger. It's saying, free me from foreigners. Remember, foreign armies were attacking David. And then that children is sons of a nation or children of a nation. We often speak of the children of Israel. We don't mean the children. We don't mean people under 16 or whatever age. We mean the people who belong to the families of Israel when we talk of the children of Israel. And when we talk of the children of foreign nations, the Bible is not talking about young people. It's talking, it's talking about the people who belong to the families of foreign nations. So when David prays uh, to be delivered from the hand of strange children, he's talking about being delivered from the hand or from the power of these people who belong to these foreign nations. He's praying, please rescue me from these foreign soldiers who are attacking me. It's you, God, I'm looking to for salvation, for rescue in this situation. From these foreigners, verse 8, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Oh, these people speak their evil words, but their words are empty threats. Goliath threatened David, but his words were empty and meaningless because he did not have the power to kill David. No, it was God who won that battle and it was God who won every one of David's battles. And these strangers, these foreigners, David says their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. They're not people who can be trusted. Before the days of COVID, we used to shake hands to agree with someone. If you made a contract with someone, they would shake your hands. But these people offer their right hand to shake their hand and you can't trust their promises. They are liars. They speak falsehood. So even when they promise peace, they're not offering it. They promise peace only so that they can cause war. How much David needed real peace, how much he prayed for it. But when God answered that prayer, and when God rescued David time and again, oh, how glad David was to praise God, to thank him for his goodness. Several of the Psalms reference a new song and David uh, uses that idea again in verse 9. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. 
Why a new song? Because God has delivered David afresh from his enemies. God who delivered David from Goliath delivers him or rescues him from each of the enemy armies that were on every side of Israel to attack him. And David in safety with God as his protector sings for joy to God upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, a psaltery, an instrument like a harp or a lyre, a stringed instrument. David plucks the strings and he sings with it. And what better instrument to sing the Psalms than something called, in English at least, a psaltery. An instrument of ten strings, that tells us a little bit about the music. If you know anything about a piano, you'll understand about an octave, the group of eight notes. And uh, there are eight notes, white notes, and there are five black notes. Ancient music seems to have run on the pentatonic scale. That's the black notes on your piano. And ten strings is the black notes for two octaves. Why am I telling you this? Because that's the most that any normal singer could sing along with. If you, if you have a piano at hand, you might like to try this. You might like to try playing each of the notes, the black notes across two octaves, those ten notes in sequence, and trying to sing with it. And you'll find it reaches from the lowest note you can sing to the highest note and maybe a note or two which you are not quite able to sing as well. David is saying, I'm going to use a full range of music to sing praises unto thee, unto God. I want my song to reach right across the music that's available to me because this is a great song, a song of praise to God, a song of thanks for his salvation because, verse 10, it's he, it's God, that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. That hurtful is, is the normal word uh, in Hebrew for bad. Just as David was delivered from that bad sword, that sword of Goliath, that huge sword, so when David became king, it was God who gave him salvation. It was God who rescued him from the armies that attacked him. And so he continued his prayer. It's like a chorus in, in this psalm. We saw it before in, in verses 7 and 8, and David repeats it in verse 11. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children. That's those foreign armies. Whose, whose mouth speaketh vanity, whose words are worthless. And their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. They promise peace, but they don't give peace. But if God rescues David from them, if God delivers him, then Israel can have peace. And the last few verses of the psalm, the last four verses, are all about the kind of peace that God gives to his people. When God rescues them from their enemies and puts them in a place of safety. 
So when God rescues his people, when he rescues them now, but especially when he rescues them in the Messianic age, in the days when Messiah rules, what, what is life like then? Well, what's life like for children? Verse 12, verse 12, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. I've got a garden here and I like growing plants. And as a gardener, well, you have to buy sometimes plants to grow in your garden. And you don't want weak plants. You don't want plants that have been poorly grown before you buy them. You don't even want the biggest plants because maybe they won't grow well for you. You want plants that from the time when they, they first start to grow have been grown well. Good, strong plants is what the gardener always asks for. And how much David wanted for the young men in Israel to be like good, strong plants, that from their youth they are taught the right way to live, the way that God wants them to live. They're taught to be responsible and capable people so that they can take on their authority and their duties in the nation and so that Israel as a nation can flourish and do well because its young people are good young people, capable, responsible young people. And uh, the girls as well, that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. A cornerstone is a strong stone at a corner of a building. Maybe uh, in your country, as in many parts of England, we build out of bricks. Well, we want at the corner of the building for the bricks to be strong so as to give stability to the whole building. But if you build out of stones, as they did in former times in England, well, they had big stones at the corner, big rocks, which were fashioned into shape to be a strong square support for the building. Why does David want his daughters to be his cornerstones? Because he wants them to be strong women who stand up for what is right, who direct their families in a responsible way, who teach their children well. But he also wanted those young women to be graceful, to be polished after the similitude of a palace. He thought of the stones that adorn the building of a palace. They're not rough stones. They're beautiful stones. They're polished to perfection, to look wonderful. And David did not want the young women just to be strong women, but to be graceful women, women to be beautiful in all that they did, to care about things and to pay attention to detail. And why did David want the young men and the young women of Israel to be so responsible and capable and strong, both in their attitudes and physically strong? Oh, so that the whole country could flourish. And so he turns attention to the farms now. Verse 13, in a time of peace, he says, 
our garners may be full, affording all manner of store. Garners means the place where you store grain, the word granary is sometimes used. A place where grain is stored, yes, because it has to be harvested at harvest time and kept for the whole year. And David says affording all manner of store. He means different kinds of grain to be stored in these stores. He means that there should be wheat and barley and lentils and all kinds of foods that are stored, that they should be there so that the garners are full. That's David's vision of a peaceful nation. And then he moves to the sheep, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. In our streets, in other words, outside. The garners have to be inside, they have to be sheltered and protected from the rain and from mice. And the sheep have to be outside. And uh, to be productive, of course, the sheep have to have young sheep, lambs. Thousands and ten thousands of lambs. That's his vision of prosperity, that the grain is there and that the sheep are having lots and lots of lambs. Verse 14, that our oxen may be strong to labour. To labour means to work hard. Oxen were strong farm animals of the same kind as cows, but smaller animals and used particularly to carry out the heavy tasks on the farm, to pull a cart or, or to drag a heavy board over grain when it's been harvested in order to separate the seeds from the dried plant material. David says, in a peaceful nation, the oxen are strong to do their work. David's spoken about the families and about the produce of the farms. He now thinks about the cities, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. No breaking in. Uh, the towns and the cities in ancient Israel had to have strong walls around them to protect them from the attacks of enemies. And if an enemy did attack, they tried to get into the city by breaking down the wall. David says, when we have peace, there will be no breaking in, nor will there be going out. People won't have to go out to fight their enemies in war. People won't be forced to leave their cities as an enemy captures the city. There'll be no going out and no complaining in the streets. There'll be no turmoil. There'll be no distress. There'll be no riot. People won't be upset about a shortage of bread or a shortage of water. They won't be complaining against the government because they'll be confident that the government and the country is going well. People will be at peace with themselves when the nation is at peace. That, to a certain extent, is what David achieved in Israel. He did succeed in overcoming the foreign armies which, which had previously fought against Israel. He established Israel as a strong nation and his rule led to the peaceful rule of King Solomon, his son. But it wasn't a perfect nation. 
There were still many problems in the nation. There was still that complaining in the streets that David spoke about in verse 14. But it looked forward. It looked forward to the time when Messiah rules, when all these things are put right, when there truly is peace in Israel and in the world. And David spoke about the happiness of that situation. Verse 15. Happy is that people that is in such a case, that is in the situation which we've just described in the last few verses. Yea, yes. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And that's what the nation, David's nation, needed in his day. That's what our nation needs today. Whichever your nation may be, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. The Lord means the true God, the living God, the only God. And how happy are the people who have chosen the true God, the real God, to be their God, who are serving the true God. Yes, they may not be in that perfect situation of peace that David has described in the earlier verses, but God will bring that about for them. God will bring them to that place under the rule of King Messiah, where all is well, where families operate well, where farms operate well, that where cities operate well. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. I've written a few books. Maybe you'd like to ask me for details of how you can buy them. My email address, 333kjv at gmail.com. Or maybe you'd like to write to me and let me know where in the world you are. I won't add you to any mailing list or anything, but it will be lovely to hear from you. The email address once more, 333kjv at gmail.com. And now, here is the whole of Psalm 100. And 44. A Psalm of David. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. Send thy hand from above. Rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. 
I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me, and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labour, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord.